What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Ken Gunter, and today is a milestone episode. We made it to number 10, folks. We proved all the doubters wrong. I actually don't think there were probably any doubters. Uh, Maybe just a handful of friends who said, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'll be tuning into that. But regardless, we made it. We've got an awesome show on deck, and I am pumped to announce that today we are joined by first baseman for the San Diego Padres, Eric Hosmer. Now, for those keeping track at home, he's actually the first current professional athlete that we've actually had on the show. So it's not a requirement by any means, but it certainly doesn't hurt. This guy's, uh, you know, career accolades are just kind of in a class of their own. He's won four Golden Glove Awards. He's won the Silver Slugger Award. He was the MVP of the 2016 All-Star Game. His crowning achievement to date so far is he won a World Series as an integral part of the Kansas City Royals in 2015. And you know what, folks? On top of all that, he's a great all-around guy. Uh, Eric uh, today talks about how, just like the rest of us, he's trying to make sense of the current environment. Uh, He's also locked up in quarantine at the moment. So despite all that, today's conversation was just a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm always interested by anyone who's had tremendous success, but baseball has always been fascinating to me because it seems to straddle that line of being a team sport, but just as much, if not more so, it's an individual sport within a team environment. So, you know, every piece of the game is dissected, analyzed and measured. And I've always just assumed that there must be such a crazy amount of pressure, uh, you know, dealing with everything that comes with playing that game at that level. So I was really interested to hear, you know, how Eric deals with all that, if he even thinks about it. And so, you know, he shared a little bit of his background, how he rose through the majors. We talked about his preparation and how that's actually changed over the course of his career. We talk a little bit about the attributes, you know, that he thinks are, are, you know, important to having long-term success, you know, what separates great players from the rest. And uh, what I was actually, you know, kind of not surprised, but I think enjoyed hearing was as he enters his 10th season, he's still learning, learning new things and he's constantly focused on improving. So it was a great conversation. I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot folks from all walks of life are going to be able to take from this one and, you know, hopefully learn something that you can apply to your life today. Uh, right. Cause I think whatever our goal is, right. Whatever we're trying to achieve, we want to be the best, uh, possible version of ourselves. So here's someone who's doing that at an incredible level on a big stage. So, you know, there's, there's something to be learned here. On that note, you know, I want to say thank you, as always, to everyone who's left a review or has reached out in their own way to let us know that we're enjoying the show. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Likewise, uh, if you are enjoying the show and you haven't yet, please do subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you're on Apple, leave us a review. It helps the show reach a broader audience. It helps us continue to get great guests. So, uh, you know, I, I hate to beat a dead horse here, but it really does make a difference. So thank you again to everyone who's done that. Uh, it certainly, it certainly is appreciated. So without any further groveling, uh, you know, let's get this one started. Let's welcome Eric to the show. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. 
Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah. How uh, how, how are you holding up, actually, now that the baseball season's been postponed? Uh, it's weird, man. I tell you what, it's, uh, you know, even not just baseball, but just, just normal life right now. It's weird. It's weird, you know, wanting to go outside and even just looking outside and seeing nobody out there. And uh, baseball is all about routine and schedule, man. And, I, you know, you have your game days and your time leading up to the game that, you know exactly right. what you're going to be doing at what time, and right now you don't know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah, so like, what? That's actually a good uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you. Like, what are you able to do right now? Like, so, are you are you just staying at home? Or are you able to get to the stadium? Like, yeah. So I'm in, I'm in San Diego. There? I'm in San Diego now, but there's probably about four or five of us that uh, they basically just gave us a key to the stadium, and they're like, "Hey, man, if you want to come do something, just do it on your own." And yeah, that's basically all we can do right now which is tough for me, man, because I'm, you know, I like, if I'm going to the batting cage, I want my hitting coach with me there, give me something to work on. If I'm going to the gym, I want, you know, my right. trainer there, give me a workout. It's, it's a lot harder doing that stuff on my own, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only imagine it's, yeah. uh, we were talking about this a little before we started, but it's just like unprecedented. Yeah. And you know the, what I mean? That's the weirdest thing too, is like, we have no date, so we don't know when we're going to start right now. If, if it was like, all right, we're going to pick things up on, you know, the first of June or whatnot, then that would be a lot easier. You got something to shoot towards, but it's just all right. unknown right now. It's crazy. Yeah. And so are they, so is this, there's still no direction then you're just caught in limbo. Nothing, man. Yeah. We're just, we're caught. We're stuck like the rest of the world right now. Just, just kind of waiting around. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned something right out of the gate and it's something I wanted to ask you about, but you mentioned like how important routine is mm -hmm. like, do you have a routine kind of in all aspects of your approach to the game, like off season in season prior to the game, like is routine something that like is like critical for you? Do you feel like, yeah, it's huge. It's, uh, you know, basically that's what it is when you, you start up the off season workouts, it's you kind of the days before create that, that routine on what you want to get on and what you want to do and, and ride with it from there. And that's probably the hardest thing about baseball too, honestly, is like your routine gets thrown off so much that yeah. that 162 game grind that's where the mental grind becomes more of you know a physical grind when it comes to baseball you know you have you'll have your nicks and nags and your sorenesses everywhere but like you know you're playing uh, a night game Wednesday and then flying into Texas at five in the morning for another night game and you know or you, you could be in the middle of a rain out and have a double header and then one of those crazy uh, late flights and you know the schedule throws so many curveballs at you that way that that's kind of what makes it so tough is that it throws your routine off all the time. Dude, so that's something I've always wondered about because one, I, you feel like they, they could probably, they got to be able to do the schedule in a better way. But two, like <laughs> I have a tough time going to like a sales meeting if I have to fly cross country and deal with like <laughs> a late night flight. I couldn't imagine having to like go out and do something like so skill specific. You know what I mean? And like yes. be asked to perform at a high level. Like, do you have any approach that you take in trying to kind of like cope with that? Or does the team give you any suggestions as to like what you can do to kind of like handle all the things that come from that crazy schedule? Um, I mean, like we were talking before, you know, sleep is, is, is huge. If you can fit that sleep yeah. in at, at any time, I think 
that was one of the biggest things too. Uh, you know, one of the doctors came in and talked to the team and, you know, basically told us if you can get that amount of, of sleep at any time, it doesn't have to come at night. You know, if you can nap for mm. a quick hour or something before the game, then, you know, that's huge. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest things is, is really getting that sleep and making sure you're getting the right amount of sleep before. And then once you get to the stadium on one of those crazy days, you just got to kind of put your head down and, and try and treat it as normal as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Was, uh, was routine always that important for you? Well, and like, let me ask you this, like, like, like in high school too, like did, what other sports did you play? So I played football, uh, my eighth grade year. And then okay. we had one of those, like, uh, my school was a private charter school. So you could play, you know, uh, JV in the eighth grade or something like that. So I played football my eighth grade year. And then after that, I was just uh, solely baseball. Oh, okay. So you kind of specialized like what? freshman freshman year then yeah so right around when i was a freshman you know all the showcases and stuff in the summer that's when all that stuff really started heating up so yeah. it was basically like if you want to you know pursue this and pursue athletics and uh in college you gotta start you know getting these showcases getting these these tournaments down so all that stuff came during football season and you know mm. you know the grind of football season it's that sure. summer man you, you got to go to those summer workouts if not you're not playing on the team yeah let me ask you this, because it's like kind of controversial. So you specialized starting in high school, and clearly it's it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> like, what's your take on that for ki- people who ha- have kids who are going into high school? Because there's a lot of folks who say, like, look, to build like a an all around athlete, like it's better to expose them to a lot of different sports because they pick up different skills. Right. Um, you know what I mean? That like translate across sports. Like, what what's your thoughts on that? That was, yeah, mine, you know, my thoughts kind of coming up was I, I definitely tried to isolate myself and really just try and play baseball and that's it. Hmm. Um, but my thoughts of that now is completely different. I think, you know, really? as, as a high school, even, uh, you know, up until that probably sophomore, junior high school, you should really do as, do as much as you can, honestly, because those movements and the different, you know, uh, you know, positions you really have to put your body in and explode from is you know, that can help you when you do pursue a baseball career, when you do pursue a football career. And, and not only that, but mentality is huge too. There's, there's a lot of guys that, you know, credit football to a mentality of, of where they get that, you know, that, that extra drive during the the games and stuff like that. So I'm completely against that now, man. I think play whatever you can. Um, But now, you know, obviously if, if you get to the junior year and, you know, you got to, a quarterback on your hands that's that's got a lot in front of them then i think it starts mm. it's definitely smart to kind of map that out and be a little cautious with that guy yeah yeah no that makes that makes sense and I, and I cut you off a little bit too but uh on the topic of routine is is that something that is kind of you've developed that as you've um gone through your professional career or is that something that was kind of always important to you even when you were like an amateur athlete uh, I definitely developed that in professional baseball and definitely minor leagues because, you know, before I remember it used to always get me. So I used to be so weirded out by we would have to go to the batting cage before batting yeah. practice and and then do batting practice and then the game. So I'm like, why am I going to go hit batting practice for batting practice? You know what I mean? Like, I don't get why we're doing all that. But that basically was the time, you know, if you had anything mechanically that you wanted to work on, that was the time you had to do it then. And then batting practice Hmm. was, all right, we're facing a lefty that throws a lot of sinkers. So, you know, really try and stay inside the ball and work the other way. So that's going to be my swing in batting practice. So then that Uh, really just kind of led me to that step-by-step process and leading up to the game. 
And that's really where, you know, that whole idea of, of routine started because I took that hitting into, man, I need this for getting my body ready for the day or, you know, my workouts yeah. or something. So I think that's where it really started. Huh. And, and actually, that's really interesting, too. On the topic of batting practice, is it the same now um, with the Padres? Like, is it where you go in and you maybe you're doing like technical changes to your swing and then that pregame batting practice is more like pitcher specific game specific yeah definitely i think that's that's the hardest part about hitting in, in the big leagues especially is you know you're facing a guy one night that he's gonna try and throw you nothing but breaking balls and then you're facing the guy the next night that throws 100 miles an hour and it's time to catch up <laughs> to that so it's like all right so it's the guy so yeah it's crazy man like you got you got machines in there in the batting cage that you can put on left-handed curveballs and you know for for my routine today for batting practice, instead of going out in the field and hitting fastballs, I'm going to hit curveballs because that's who I'm going to face tonight. So right. that's kind of that that hour and a half before game batting practice that you really want to take. And then mm -hmm. the flips that I'm talking about before BP, that's like if you feel like anything mechanically is just off, that's when you yeah. go to like work on that stuff. Yeah. And is it are you working with like not team issued, but the, you know, the batting coach for the team or outside of that, do you even have like a specialist that you work with? Yeah, you do. During the season, you pretty much, uh, you know, the stuff's so fast during the season that you have your hitting coach. And that's the right. biggest thing that people don't realize also in the big leagues that maybe even, even in professional ball at the high levels, a hitting coach is really more beneficial of just helping you create a game plan. Like, Hey, you know, huh. this guy really leans to his sliders in big situations. So in a big situation, look for this more than, you know, hey, when you're hitting, your hands are a little low. You bring your hands a little higher. Because so right. everyone feels if you're at that level, if you're at the big leagues and mechanically, you know, you know yourself better than anybody. So you can, right. you know, if you're asking for another set of eyes to help you out with that stuff, then he's there. But a hitting coach in the big leagues is there more for the game planning and, and that type of stuff. Ah, uh, so it's more like strategy and game plan. Yeah. Huh. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. That makes sense. Um, and you mentioned the minors. So that's, that's something I wanted to ask you about. So, you know, you went, you went the minor league route and you were the third overall pick, right? Right. So maybe it wasn't even a decision at all, but, um, you know, being a high schooler at that time, like, did you consider going to college at all? Yeah, I definitely did. I, uh, okay. you know, Scott Boris was representing me and he was, he was my advisor at the time because you're, you know, due to the NCA rules and all that, you're, you can't call it an agent. So uh, right. he was my advisor and, and, you know, he's known for guys out of the draft. And this is back before, you know, the new CBA because the draft rules are different nowadays. But he was known for sending his guys to college because he wanted to get, mm. you know, max value for his guys. And a lot of guys didn't get that in high school. So if he felt like you went to college for two or three years came out you know you can triple the value of your signing bonus so right you know he was all about going to college and all that and I think that reputation just kind of you know helped me because I think the team really thought I was interested in going to college and my negotiation came down to literally like the last 30 seconds man it's the deadline no way yeah, really the, the, the draft was like June 6th and then the deadline August 15th at midnight and I agreed with like literally like 40 seconds left it was one of the craziest nights of my life no kidding. It was wild. Where were, you, where, where were you looking to go, if you don't mind sharing? I was going to go. I was signed to go to Arizona State. I wanted okay. to go. I wanted to play professionally. I wanted nothing to do with school, man. I, I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't enjoy school. I didn't enjoy schoolwork. I wanted to just go out and start playing baseball and, and be done with papers and all that stuff. 
Yeah. But I had to play off. I had to play it off the whole time. Like I really wanted to go to college. And I mean, they were telling me, you know, if you go out at night or if you go to these, you know, the school basketball game or a different baseball game, you know, wear an Arizona State shirt, wear this, wear that. Like it was a whole big thing. That's crazy. And it's such a wild thing, too, because like as an 18 or maybe even 17 year old kid, like you're negotiating with like cutthroat businessmen. Mm hmm. And that's, like, it's just yeah. so wild. And the amount of money that's on the table and like, you know, it's. Oh, you have no <laughs> idea what you're getting yourself into. You really have no idea. And that was my biggest thing the whole time was like, listen, I hired Scott Boris and, you know, Scott's got a, a pretty good reputation at, at being yeah. a good agent. So I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust him. And I hired him for a reason and I tried my best to stick to that. And thank God I did. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Oh, I was just, what was I just going to ask you? Oh, so, okay. And, and today, right. You mentioned the CBA rules, like, and I'm going to mess this up, but isn't it now, if you go to college, isn't it something like, it's not one year, like the NBA, isn't it? Are you committing to like, is it three years? Yeah. So you have to, you can either be 21 years old. So if you're like a 21 okay. year old sophomore, somehow you can sign then. But if you sign to go to division one college, you got to go three years at least before you can get drafted again. God, that just seems like they're like hamstringing kids. It does. And now, I mean, the, the draft rules now are getting crazier and crazier. So, like, it's just, you know, back then when I got drafted, which wasn't, I mean, it was, what was it, you know, almost 10, 10 plus years ago. But yeah. you can sign for whatever. You can get drafted in the 30th round and you can sign for a million dollars. Now, in the top 10 rounds, the team has an asserted, like, like budget like the war or the can or say kansas city and san diego only allowed 10 million dollars in their first 10 picks so you oh. give your first round pick seven million dollars you only got three million dollars for the rest of those nine rounds really yeah so the rules have changed a lot to where you know that's uh if if you get drafted pretty high now i mean you you might as well just sign and, and start it on you know yeah oh man that's such wild and to think like i look back at what I, where my head was 18 <laughs> like I had I had no business making any like life altering decision you know what I mean and yeah. so thinking that these guys got to decide between all right am I willing to stick it out for three years in college or like do I just take the bet on myself and like jump into the minors right now I know, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure to put I on had, a young I mean kid. I had no idea what I was deciding you know what I mean you just yeah. gotta you surround yourself by good people and, and hope for the best I guess yeah I hear you. Uh, so what, what was the miners experience like and, and how long did you, uh, did you have to stick in the miners before you were called up? So I was in the miners for about three years before I got called up and it's going to sound like a long, crazy road, but it really wasn't compared to a lot of other guys uh, you know, track to the, to the big leagues. Uh, yeah. I signed, so I signed in 2008 and during, in August, like I was just telling you, mm-hmm. um, after that they sent me to Idaho falls for about two weeks to finish out that season and beautiful then, Idaho Falls. Beautiful. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there was about two, there was about three weeks left in that season. So I went and finished that season off and then okay. you go to instructional league and all that in Arizona. So then the following year, first full season, I went to Burlington, Iowa, and then ended the year in uh, high A, which is Wilmington, Delaware. So that was, <laughs> okay. the, that was 2009. That was my first full season. That was a rough start. I didn't really have a great year. Uh, I got promoted to high A, ended up having a good playoff for them, but had like an up and down season, didn't really do that good. And okay. then in 2010, they sent me back to high A to start out. 
And then I went to double A and I went off that year. I had a, that was really my breakout year in the minor leagues. I was, I was pretty solid that year. I got, I played nice. on the USA team in the off season and then went to the fall league that winter. So that was a crazy, that was a crazy winter because basically the minor league seasons, 20 less games, 140 games. So 20 less games in the big leagues. So yeah. what they do is if they, they like you after the season's over, they send you to another league to kind of get you ready for that full 162 game season. So yeah. you basically have like two months in every off season. So you're just on the go, on the go, boom, boom, like nonstop. That's insane. Yeah. So then after that 2010 year, I got invited to big league camp. So big league camp, I had a really good big league camp, really good spring. 2000, that was 2011, went to AAA for the first month. I started off hot, man. I was hitting like, I was hitting like literally like 400, like 410 or something like that the first month. And like, <laughs> I'm talking about like anything Teddy Williams that was numbers. Oh, dude. Anything that was coming off my bat was a hit. Like, I was getting some of the luckiest hits I've ever got. And That's then awesome. I was hitting the ball well at the same time. So it was just like everything was going my way. And then that's when I got called up in 2011. I got called up in May. So I was almost there for about three years. But I tell you what, man, the guys that AAA is the worst. Like, I was only mm -hmm. there for a month, and that couldn't have worked out any better because you're taking flights in AAA. And you have oh, to. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's terrible, man. Like, you, you can put me on a bus for 10 hours and you drive through the night and you're fine. You can sleep, whatever. But you go to AAA and say you end, you know, a day game, a travel day, you end at two o'clock. You go back to the hotel room and then you have to wait until the next morning. You take about a 3 30 bus to the airport and then <laughs> you got a 6 a.m. flight. Uh, you got your connecting somewhere. You got a two hour layover and then you're playing that night. Uh. So that. The guys you hear that grind in AAA for like, you know, five, six years, that that is a serious, serious grind. Oh, man. It's brutal. So what what are they doing in terms of like skill development when you're in the minors? Like, do you have access every step of the way to like good coaching? And I'm not asking you to throw anyone under the bus, but like, um, is it really a good opportunity to like refine your game and you're getting access to like, you know what I mean? Top, top level coaches or what's that like? Yeah, you do. And, and a lot of that's luck, you know, luck or draw, whatever organization you get drafted with, because, mm. you know, a lot of the organizations are like it's it's big leagues or nothing. And they don't really pay a lot of attention to the minor leagues. But you, when I came up with Kansas City, you know, that was their whole their whole goal and their whole plan was to rebuild throughout the minor leagues. So their main focus, you know, my first couple of years in professional baseball was on the minor leagues. So, I mean, we were mm. getting we were getting some of the best coaching and I mean, those guys were, were, were there to develop us and they did a great job of that. But I mean, you go to the Yankees and it's like, dude, if you're not big league ready, then we don't know what to do with you here. So you might not get the same amount of coaching development or just basically you might not get that. The organization's not taking that development as serious as we were back with Kansas city. Yeah. That's crazy. So you, you were saying, and it's come up a couple of times now, just how wild the schedules are, yeah. how like sleep becomes such a, what, what are you doing from like a recovery standpoint in, in terms of like sleep now with like, you know, the 162 game schedule? So basically, I mean, you have those nights where that, you know, you, most of, most of the time you travel during day games and all that, but you'll have those random weeknights where you, you got to travel late and you know, the team will, the next day cancel batting practice or whatnot. And we'll have like a later day where we can kind of sleep in and all that stuff. But, um, I mean, that's one of the biggest things I think that I've had to change in my career now is, hmm. uh, you know, I bring somebody with me on the road, a PT that comes and he'll kind of stretch me out or, 
or do some treatment on me late night, depending on where we're at and all that stuff. So that stuff has really done a big, big help. That's been a big help for me because, yeah. you know, depending on whatever time we go to these stadiums or to these cities and get in, I have a guy that's in a hotel room waiting to do some work on me and he helps that's me, awesome. you know, with recommendations, with the dieting stuff and all that. So, um, you definitely realize how much that stuff comes into play the older you get. Yeah. And is that something that's becoming more common? Like guys have their own dedicated, like, uh, I guess a support staff might not be the right term for it, but someone like a PTE that like is focused on help, keeping them healthy over the course of a season. Or is that something that it's like, you know, only a select number of guys are doing it. Yeah. It's definitely something that's picked up uh, a lot over the years. I feel like a lot of the basketball players uh, started that up. They, you know, started doing the, the dieting stuff, the, you know, PTs on the road, they really started that whole route. And yeah, that's, that's something that a lot of guys, you know, especially a lot of guys do it before their contract years or a couple years before their contract years, just because, you know, you realize it's a huge year and you want to like be a hundred, hundred percent ready to go. But then a lot of guys after that are real, they realize like, man, I need this all the time. So I think, Mm. That was for me, that was the biggest thing. I did it the year before my contract year. And then after that, I was like, man, I need, I need this all the time. And that helped me a lot. Well, and I I mean, I got to imagine like, you know, to fly someone around the country, there's a substantial investment involved, but it's like the risk of you going out with an injury is is probably like so much more expensive. Oh, no question. Right. No question. And, And then on top of that, you know, you're trying to win a world championship. So if you're if you're injured, you're missing a month, you're missing two months. You know that's you, your team can't have that. You can't afford that. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Um, I was telling you a little bit before the show. I uh, I think it's going to be the one right before this one. But uh, I was talking with a guy named Nick Littlehales, and he's like a sleep performance coach. Works with a lot of uh, teams in the Premier League. Works with a lot of like European soccer players. Um, and it was cool because what I enjoyed about his conversation, he's like, look, like everyone needs a good night's sleep. He's like the stuff that I'm telling these guys to do, like it's stuff that you can easily implement at home. So like hearing you talk about how important sleep is, it's something that like for me has become like really important. Yeah. Because in like, you know, I'm not taking flights cross country, but I am being woken up by like a two year old. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm like, Yeah. I'm like constantly searching for ways to like sleep better, sleep longer, get more out of it. Um, yeah, man. I heard, uh, they said Brady's guy would fly Tom Brady's guy would fly to the hotel before, like the week before they're staying there to make sure the lighting in his room is, is just right. Cause they want him sleeping that much better. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. And that's kind of what he was saying too. I think he, he was working with, uh, the British, I guess it'd be the English Olympic team. Um, but yeah, like when we went, the, when they went down to Rio, he was down there like a month or two in advance and he changed everything from like the shades, the mattresses, the temperatures got in filters. Like that's it's insane. Just, I know. Yeah. So last year, so when spring training ends every year, you usually go and you'll play like two exhibition games in a random city against a big league team and then go to your home mm. field and start it up. So last year we went and we played against the Mariners and they actually left spring training two weeks early to go open up the season in Japan. So that, that <laughs> That's was right, when, yeah. Like, yeah, when Ichiro went back and retired and all that That's stuff. That's right, yeah. Obviously, it's a different situation, but they came back, and we played them in those two exhibition games before. So these guys are coming back from Japan, and, like, they're grinding through migraines. You just see these guys, they're all pale. They're like, man, we just came back, but we got a sleep coach, and he's trying to get us back on a normal schedule 
So like yeah. we got to fight through a couple hours. We can't sleep, you know, this time to this time. And we're playing these guys in a preseason game and we're like, we're whooping these guys. <laughs> we're destroying them. <laughs> and like, you feel so bad for these guys, man. But it was amazing the stuff they had to do. I mean, it took them, you know, three, four days to get back to a normal schedule. I bet, man, that jet lag is, is no joke. It's real. So you being a first baseman, that, that feels like maybe the best position in baseball. Cause I feel like every time I turn on the TV, like you guys are just like chatting it up with someone like <laughs> how, how, like what are those conversations like mid game? Like, is it to the point now where you've just gotten to know a lot of these guys over the years or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you just yeah. built relationships and it's like a quick catch up. Like what's that like? It really is, man. When, when we get a new guy on a team or and via trade or, or sign somebody, like everybody doesn't know the guy. And I feel like I know the guy because he came to first base <laughs> and we've talked over the years. But it's, it, dude, it's it's completely random conversations. It really is. It's just like, yeah. you know, there was a, one of my coaches coming up in the in the minor leagues would always tell me, he's like, hey, you know, get in there with the, the base runner because a lot of these guys during the games, they, they don't remember the signs from the third base coach. So the first base coach would basically, you know, hey, you're going to steal here. Hey, doing this. So he's like getting their conversation. And if you can hear what they're doing, like tell us what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, like, yeah. I just started doing <laughs> that. And then all of a sudden it just like it just became conversation after conversation. And then it's just like and everyone's so pumped to be over there. You get a hit, you get on base, you're fired up. So you see me and everyone loves me now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. It's just yeah. like positive association. Exactly. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Okay, so, so here's something I wanted to make sure I asked you. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so you've won four gold gloves. You won a silver slugger award. Yeah. Clearly highly skilled, right? <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Do you, like, h- how do you think about, like, acquiring skill? Like, is it something that, like, you, you've, like, developed a method over the years as being a pro, is it something that like, it, it just comes naturally and like, you don't have to think about it. Like, because I, I feel like, how, well, actually you might even know this. Like how many guys have actually won both awards? It, um, it can't be that many. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, off the top of my head, how many, but, um, the biggest thing when I, you know, Scott, when, when I first signed my agent, Boris told me that He's like, treat your defense just as important as your hitting. Because so many mm. people, all they care about is hitting, hitting, and that's it. He's like, but if you can play both sides of the field, you know, when it comes down to, you know, your time to, to get a contract, they can't, they can't say anything against that. You know what I mean? You're defending right. the field. You can hit. You can do everything. So really maintain that, that focus defensively and, and try and keep that going. So yeah. I always took that to heart. I always took that to heart. And, you know, I always – put in the work, I always, you know, willing to do it and all that stuff. But I think the biggest thing that helped me out is, is, you know, my ability now to listen to everybody, take in all the information, but understand what helps me and what doesn't help me. So, Mm. you know, you have so many coaches throughout the way, so many instructors and so many of this that, you know, especially nowadays with the internet, everyone's got an opinion and everyone thinks, you know, they know how to do things in a better way. So my thing was, and especially now, you know, with all the analytics and that stuff is, be open to all that, but understand, you know, what helps you, what you can use from that and what you can't use from that. So I think that's really what's helped me out a lot is, is taking in all the information, but, but really just kind of picking and choosing the information that I think helps me and and I can really use. Yeah. And would you say, I mean, were you, were you naturally a better hitter than you were maybe like 
tr- I don't know, like scouted as someone who's like a great defensive first baseman or w- were you, was it always something that like you were highly skilled at both? And I imagine probably both like you went third overall, but like, did you feel like you were stronger at one than the other? Um, I definitely, yeah. Hitting was definitely my, my main thing. And, and that's kind of what, you know, we have a new coach now. His name's Bobby Dickerson. He's, he's known around the league as being one of the best infield coaches there is just on mm. the stuff that he teaches, the technique and all that stuff. And that's, that's what I would always tell him. You know, what I tell him now is, you know, hitting, I've always been taught everything, you know, mechanics. This is what you do hitting wise. Boom, boom, boom. And then yeah. defense, ground balls, I've always just gone out there and caught the ball, and that's it. I've never been taught anything on how to catch a ground ball, but just go that's out and catch so the ball. ridiculous. Isn't it crazy? So like, It is crazy. It's, it's it insane. Is. I know. So, like, now I'm 30 years old, and I meet this guy, and this guy is taking me through all these different drills. We're doing all these different things as a team, individually, and we're working on all these different things that I've never even, I've never even thought of. And, like, yeah. Now I'm like, okay, like this is some like legit instruction on the defensive side. So, I mean, yeah. and it's never really been like that. It was always hitting is everything and, you know, defense is there. And then, right. you know, Scott told me that about taking it, taking it uh, very serious. And then I got on with this guy and now I've kind of developed that routine we're talking about on the defensive side too. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. And it's funny, like, I mean, I work in tech and I do sales, but I've even found like, I, I now try and like implement routine in like all parts of my day. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And like now being a dad and I have a pretty long commute, like I'm not, I'm not traveling cross country, but like when I do go into the city, it's like two hours each way. It's yep. terrible. Yep. Yeah. Like there's, there, <laughs> there's tough, very man. few positive things about it. Ugh. So like, I'm like, how can I use a routine to just like take some of the thought process out of this stuff? So yeah. And cool time. to hear that. Hopefully I'm on the right track. Yeah. You definitely, you, you just start fighting for time. And I think that yeah, routine man. gets you some more time and that's, you know what I mean? It's just a fight for time. Yeah. And so actually on that note, like in season, like what is your kind of like day to day look like? And I guess maybe day of a game and then like, you know, day when maybe it's just like uh, maybe it's an off day or maybe there's practice. Yeah. So nights, night games, they're usually like seven oh five um, at home. You get there probably about one thirty. BP starts. So batting practice starts at four thirty every day at home. And mm. then. Basically, there's like that's the thing with baseball is like all the structure and all that stuff is completely individual. Like you have batting practice and then the game, but yeah. then like you'll have guys show up an hour before batting practice. You guys have, you know, you'll have guys show up three hours before batting practice. So it's basically how many t- how much time you need to get your body right before BP and and all that stuff. So like I'll get yeah. there at one thirty. I'll start a little workout. Um, I'll kind of do my prep work on who we're facing that night to understand how he's going to come at me and kind of start all that stuff. And then on the road, everything's pushed back an hour. So I'll get there probably about two okay. 30 on the road. Gotcha. And that's something I wanted to ask you too, because you've been, I guess what, since 2008, so almost 12 years playing professionally, you've probably seen a lot of guys come and go. Yeah. Like in, in your opinion, like what separates the guys who I guess in the minors, it could have been making it to the majors, but being now in the majors for so long, like, do you see any trends and kind of like what separates uh, those who make it and those who don't? I mean, it's it definitely tests you mentally. I think, uh, mm. you know, I've definitely seen my fair share of guys that that had, you know, the crazy amount of talent that can play the game, you know, just as good as anybody. But 
just couldn't handle that that 160 game grind or 162. You know what I mean? So I think the most the most impressive thing to me is the are the guys and the teammates that I've seen that that really stick to that routine and don't break it. And like every yeah. single day, man, I watched Alex Gordon when I was in Kansas City. Didn't matter what time we got in that night. Didn't matter anything. I mean, he was, you know, doing his same routine at every time throughout the day and, and really stuck to that the whole time. So I think yeah, that's one of the things that separates at this level is, is being able to have that routine, stick to it. And I think that's what kind of keeps you mentally sane as a baseball player. No, that makes sense. It's funny, like in all the conversations that I've had so far, this this idea of like consistency seems to kind of like be the common theme. It's like no question, man. It's like there's no no quick fix. It's like, are you just willing to do the right things over and over and over over like a long period of time? Yeah, Um, that's it, man. You see so many of the guys that come and like in spring training or the start of a new season, they're like, man, I'm going to do this and this. And I feel like that's going to work out for me. And two weeks into the season, it's just completely, you know, it's lost. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like battle mode from that point on. Yeah. And so for you, is that something that you feel like you do well? Like your your routine that you do have, it's something that like you're unwavering on or how, how does that kind of work for you? For me, that's like, for me, it's almost like, uh, like I always tell people, I'm like, if I could stick to my routine and I'm consistent with that, that I trust if I stick to that over 162 games that mm-hmm. my numbers and my stats are going to be where they should be. It's just a yeah. matter of, of me sticking to that routine and really trusting in that. And I feel like I feel like that's the key with with everybody when it comes to baseball. Yeah. Does that even include like diet for you at this point? I think I think the more and more like the more and more years you kind of go on. I think that's that's the, the expansion of the routine, really, man. Mm. You can really, uh, yeah, you, especially days where you travel and, and you don't eat the best meal or something, you can definitely feel it uh, the next day as far as, you know, the sorenesses and the, ache, the aches and pains and all that stuff. So that's something you definitely got to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. So I had a job. Let me think about this. So this was my freshman year of college. I, I broke my collarbone like the first game. Oof. I was returning to kickoff, just snapped my collarbone right in half. So in the Ivy League, you can't, you couldn't at that time, you can't technically redshirt, right? right? So what you have to do is you basically have to take a year off. You have to go, you actually have to leave school and then you can come back again as a freshman. So I did that. Wow. And I got hooked up with this job with the Sonics back when the Sonics were still in Seattle. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was awesome. So my job was to work in the suites. And basically, if anyone needed food, if they needed help with their TV, I was like a concierge. Yeah. But what was awesome is I uh, would go in before the games and we would like have an opportunity to eat like a meal with like the whole staff. And it was right down by the locker rooms. And I remember this was when Ray Allen was playing and he's like famous for his pregame routine. Right. I don't remember how many shots he was getting up, but it was something that even like other NBA players was like, it's too much. But like. Over the course of his career, like he, you know, at least from what I've heard in like interviews, he was just unwavering, you know? So it's interesting to hear like across sport, across discipline, yeah. you know what I mean? That's kind of like a consistent truth. That is one thing I'll say too, man, is, is there's no one way to do it. Everyone's built mm. different. Everyone needs different things. Everyone needs different, you know, preparation. They need more guys need less. Like that is a big thing. I feel like I've learned over the, over the years too. It's like before 
you know, when you're younger, you see a guy is not maybe doing as much. You're wondering why. And right. I think now you realize how different everyone's situation is when it comes to that and what different people need as far as, you know, like Ray Allen might need 100 shots to get ready and Curry might need, you know, 40. It's just you realize right. everyone needs something different. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me to hear that, like, it's so left up to the individual. Yeah. Right. That, so that's the crazy thing for me. In baseball, I felt like I feel like it's baseball's come a long way with this and it's gotten so much better. But I mean, when you're drafted, when I'm drafted at 18 years old, going to Burlington, Iowa, like I'm telling you in Idaho Falls, like you're completely, completely on your own. Like I'm not knowing I'm, I'm, you know, sitting here like, what do I eat? I can order McDonald's every night. You know, you, you don't have any guidance as far as any of that stuff. So that always blew my mind. You know, you have kids that you're investing a lot of money in. Right. And you sending them off to these towns and like, you know, you're, you're really doing nothing as far as nutrition guidance and then, you know, helping these guys out. So that's, it's so on your own. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people will probably find that a little bit mind blowing as well. Definitely. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, so, I mean, baseball and you and I, we, we caught up about this last time I saw you, but it feels like it's a game where there's just like a disproportionate amount of like failure involved. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> to be a great hitter, you still, you're still going to like get out seven out of 10 times. So, you know, like from a, from a mental and you keep talking about the mental grind and maybe this is part of it, but how do you, how do you deal with that on like a day to day basis? It's just, I mean, first and foremost, you got to understand what you're signing yourself up for before it even starts. So, like, yeah. you got to know going in, there's going to be a handful of games where you're going to be absolutely awful. There's going to be a lot of games where you're really good. And then, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be games other than that. So, I think understanding that before really helps. But it's just base. I've always explained baseball is kind of like a basketball game. Like, you have your team that, you know, you're kind of up and down. When you go on that run, you need to make the most of that run as you can. And then when the other team's on that run, you got to really just try and tread water and get out of it as quick as you can. So that's how, you know, really the season goes individually. And as a team, you know, you can go on a, a 30 for 100 and you're hitting, you know, 300. It's a good streak, whatnot. Then all of a sudden you're you're over right. 20 and you're wondering how you how you even hit a baseball again. So it's just like I think you got to break up you really just try and break up the season as much as you can. So I, I really hmm. just like to treat each series individually. You know, we got a three game set against the Dodgers and that's the, that's the sole focus are those three games and not worry about, you know, what's coming or what's behind. And that's just the mental game. You got to play with yourself really. Yeah. Do guys tap into, uh, cause I was telling you before we started, um, I had the sports psychiatrist on like the second episode. Uh-huh. Do any of the guys that, you know, work with, uh, coaches in that regard or are they just kind of left to their own devices? Yeah. I know a lot of, a lot of agencies, uh, they, they offer that. They have a lot of the sports psychologist guys that, oh, you know, cool. you can reach out and talk to whenever you want. And I think a lot of the guys or a couple of the guys on my, uh, of teammates of mine that do it's basically the same thing we talk about is routine, man. They, they just mm. really created a routine with them and just kind of working on what the best routine for them is. I think that's, you know, what they use those guys for the most. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's funny because like, you know, like I'm in sales and I mean, I would say 80% of my job is rejection. <laughs> <laughs> my boss is probably going to be like that number shouldn't be so high, but 
Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Like I like, I like that approach of like, look, just like, you know, ch- uh, chop it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Focus on like smaller sections and to your point, like routine, as long as like you're doing the right thing over time, like it should, you know what I mean? The, the results should kind of like average out. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. 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 You gotta, if not, man, if you, if you ride that roller coaster, it'll, it'll drive you crazy. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine the day to day and living, living and dying by each at bat and each day in business, whatever it is, man, that'll, that'll crush you, bro. Yeah. And is that the mental part of the game where you see some of the guys who, who can't deal with the mental aspect? Is, is that the piece that's most difficult or is it just like, you know, the length of the season, all the travel, all of those things, like wh- which is it that guys seem to struggle with the most? It is. It's, it's, it's all of that because I think, yeah. With experience, the biggest thing that's helped me with experience is, you know, I've gotten off to bad starts in seasons. I've gotten off to good starts. I've gotten off to like, you know, okay starts. And even the bad, the, the bad starts that I've had, I was able to turn around and make those a good season. So I think as a baseball player, you know, if you get off to a bad month or even first two months, you realize how much time there is and, and you realize mm. how quickly you can turn that around. So I think with experience, you know, that helps so much. But as a young player, you're coming up and, you know, I feel like my second year, I didn't have a really, I didn't have a good year after a first, you know, a good strong rookie season because I got off to a bad start and it's like middle of May and I'm hitting like 230, but, you know, decent power numbers, good yeah. enough numbers to make a great year, you know, easily. But I'm kind of freaking out. It's May, my batting average is 230 and I'm like, man, I got to figure out how to get this going to where if that were to happen to me now, I feel like, you know, I'd realize, all right, you got four months, five months left, whatever it is. There's plenty of time to, to turn this thing around. And it's just, a, I mean, it's definitely a sense of urgency, but the mental side of it, it's definitely much more laid back and you realize how much time there is as far as, you know, the young guy coming up and feel like you got to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that note of like, baseball is just, I mean, I feel like the reason people, not one of the reasons people are so just like crazy about it is the, st- the statistics. Mm-hmm. Do you guys pay attention to those like advanced statistics and advanced data or is that, is that more for the fans? Yeah. It, and, uh, it, you guys definitely do. And it's changed a lot over the last couple of years. I mean, you know, batting average and, and home runs and RBIs were the, you know, the, the meat and potatoes, that's what you were looking at when it came to the numbers mm. and the stats. And it's gotten a lot more advanced. You know, now it's, it's, it's about the, uh, the OPS, the on-base and the slugging. And, and guys know because when it comes down to contract time and arbitration, you know, mm. these are the numbers they're busting out on you. So, so guys are definitely more aware of that stuff now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, if you know that, like, that's how you're being judged when it comes to your contract, it's like, all right, I better get this in line. Exactly. Um. All right. One, uh, one other big thing I, I want to make sure we touch on here is, you know, you've played in a world series. So in addition to playing, uh, in the majors, right. I mean, you've played on the ultimate stage. Yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like there's, there's very few situations in sport that have as much pressure on them as being at bat, you know, like in a crucial game, in a crucial inning, like how, how do you deal with high pressure situations? For me, it's, it's just getting settled in. And like, hmm. that was, that was the biggest thing too in the world series. I was like, just, just hit a ball to me like early, get, give me a ball and like, let me catch it. Let me throw it. And then I feel like after that I'm settled in, I'm comfortable and I'm ready to go. And, 
I'll never forget the first ground ball I got. I think it was in the second inning. And, you know, it was just an easy underhand flip to the pitcher. And this thing felt like it exploded out of my hand. And it was like, it felt like it was going to go in the third row in the seats. And I was like, all right. But after that, I was good. I was like, I'm good now. I'm settled in. So really, it's just kind of finding out a way to get settled in. And for me, that's always, you know, getting a play in early or just getting in some action early. Yeah. Whereas the football, I'm sure, I, you know, you hear a lot of guys say it's I just get I just need to get that one hit or get hit once. And then I'm like kind of locked into the game. It's so fun. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And it's I mean, yeah, I played in college, but even thinking back to high school and when you're a teenager, I mean, you, you can be a mess in a lot of ways. But I remember my best friend was our running back. And usually we'd start off with a run and he would take the first hit and I would still just kind of like be like looking for that something to like bring me into the game. And I'd be like, yo, dude, how was it? He's like, it sucked. He's like, what do you want to know? He's like, what's the next play? I'm like, all right, all right. I got to go. It wasn't good. No, he's like, yeah, it sucked. These guys are huge. Um, So it's funny. Yeah. And like, I think about that now, like, you know, whatever it is, like if I'm going into a big meeting or like, I mean, this podcasting thing is kind of new to me. So it's like, even at the start of it, I'm like, man, I got to find a way to like settle in and relax. Definitely. Um, you know, because it's like doing something kind of outside your comfort zone. Oh, no question, man. Once yeah. you settle in and relax, you're in that zone, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so for you, like, I mean, I guess w- what's your like favorite like moment over the course of your career? Um, I mean, definitely winning winning the World Series is incredible. I think. Yeah. What was so unique about that, though, was I don't think a lot of, you know, a lot of guys obviously don't win the world series but what we did what was so unique about it was i mean there was like five or six of us on that team that all came up through the minor leagues together like day one in the minor leagues um you know i was i was with salvador perez when he got demoted from low a back to rookie ball so he went from iowa back to idaho falls and you know you you look at it now this guy's won five gold gloves four silver sluggers and he was the mvp of the world series so like I, I'll never forget, like, he was sitting in his locker in the chair in Burlington, Iowa, and he was bummed because, you know, he was getting sent down to rookie ball again, and then this guy's the MVP of the World Series. So, like, being able to experience that with guys that you started from, from the first day of, you know, minor leagues, to, man, if I even make it to the big leagues, I'll go crazy, or I couldn't even imagine. So to be able right. to do that with those guys was, I mean, that's that was incredible. Yeah. It's cool. That's one of those good, like in this era of, of money ball, you know what I mean? To see yep. something like built organically, that's gotta be pretty special. It was, and it was really cool because you know, the Kansas city, they, they flew out everybody in the organization to all the games. So we saw mm. all of our minor league coaches that we hadn't seen in years. We saw the managers and even just the support staff that was always there with us. You know, they were all there watching the games and we got to see everybody after. So it was like, it was just incredible. It was like a huge reunion of the past, you know, five, six years. And the, you know, when we were with the organization, all the people that helped us get to that point were all there. So it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So, um, yeah, you just mentioned, I'm going to butcher his name. Was it Salvador? Yeah. Salvador Perez. So, okay. So he obviously faced like some adversity early on and then has, has gone on to have like a tremendous career. Uh Like we talked about the role that like routine plays in, you know what I mean? Guys who break through and guys who stay relevant. Like 
in your opinion, and again, you can tell me to take a hike, but <laughs> is there is there anything that you can kind of put your finger on that maybe works for you or for, that you see work for other guys that separates them from like the rest and becoming elite? Yeah, I think, um, you know, th- there's just certain guys, certain things just come so easy to them. And I think hmm. especially, you know, when you talk about hitting or when you talk about anything, really, when you break it down on film, there's always something that guys like to say it's called feel versus real. And, you know, if you're okay. looking at a, if you're looking at a swing and, and, you know, you feel your hands going straight down to the ball. But the real of that is, you know, really your hands like kind of turning like this instead of going down. So the guys, the guys to me that to that those adjustments come really easy to, and they have the ability to feel those adjustments and have it like come to you quick. Those are the yeah. guys that always they always just seem to to succeed for me because baseball is a game of adjustments. You know, you're gonna you're gonna feel something at one point in time throughout the season that can go for two weeks, and you got to figure out how to get out of that. And if you can just feel that adjustment and it comes naturally to you then I think you're going to be locked in. I think the guys that struggle is, you know, when that feel versus real comes, guys try and break down stuff on video and it's really hard for them to make that adjustment. Hmm. Uh, You know, you see that a lot and it just becomes a battle with themselves. And I think those are the guys that kind of get stuck behind during the season. Yeah. And you're a pretty humble guy. Would you say that you fall into that camp? Like, does it, does it come naturally for you in that regard? Like the making of adjustments Uh, with certain things? Yeah. Certain things it does. And then certain times it doesn't, you know, a couple of years ago, I really tried to make an adjustment on, on pulling the ball and, and getting the ball in the air more. And, and that was tough because, you know, mm. you, you do one thing in a batting cage and a controlled environment, you know, it's really easy. You're getting a ball, you know, where it's coming. And then you go right. out and you try and work on that stuff in the game and it doesn't really feel the same. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I'm, I'm definitely aware of the stuff that I need to be aware of. And, you know, those adjustments, they don't come too easy, but you know, they definitely come. Uh, but you know, certain guys you see that can just make that adjustment on a fly, like, you know, the Machados and the Trouts and the guys that dominate the league. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. Cause we, we've, we've been on this for a while. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you get back to your quarantine. Cause I know you guys have some, uh, we got some big gardening plans. to get to. Yes. Big plans. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we, we talked a lot about the mental grind. I mean, like, wh- what do you guys do to like unwind over the course of the season and just like keep your sanity, especially when you don't always have the opportunity to like retreat back home? You know what I mean? Oftentimes it's like it's in a hotel in another city. Um, and, and you mentioned like there's there's always something that like is a curveball, not to use a pun, but yeah. a curveball <laughs> thrown your way. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, how are you guys trying to like mentally like unwind? You know, I think the best t- the best way to do that, especially during the season, is is with your teammates. And you mm. know, I think a lot of the guys, a lot of us enjoy during the flights. You know, we play cards, and uh, you know, I think that's really our time to unwind. I- I've always, you know, one of my coaches with the Royals, Dale Swain, would always tell me, you know, you have a three game series, and you get there the first day of the series, and you know, you're preparing, you're doing all your video, you're doing all your stuff to prepare for that that series. So once that series is done and you go to the next spot, you know, you have a two, three hour flight to whatever city. He's like, you know, use that time to unwind and, and really mentally just just get all that stuff that that, you know, we were just doing for three days. Just just get that all off your shoulders and, you know, understand, you know, it's time to move on and all that. So that flight time with the guys and we play cards and, 
and all that stuff, I think is really the, that's the time for all of us to kind of decompress and, you know, hmm. understand that uh, we're about to get into another crazy three game series, but that's that time where, you know, we can just unwind and kind of do whatever we want to do. Yeah. And actually now, now that you say that, like that is so unique about baseball. Cause like, if I think about like, let's take like the NFL, Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a, a defensive back and you're about to play the Patriots, like you have most times like seven days, you're prepping for one quarterback, right? Like one set of tendencies. But with you guys, it's like a series of like, uh, you know, three game series where you might. I mean, how many different pitchers could you possibly face in a three game series? Yeah, you can face. You, I mean, now with these bullpen days, you can face so many pitchers in a three game series. Yeah. So like, wh- what does that preparation look like for you guys? Well, that's, that's why, like, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, baseball's so on the go, it's so on the fly that, you know, really, like, you don't have time to really work on your mechanics and your all that stuff during the season. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do, you have to get there really early and kind of fix that. Because once it's, you know, that 2, 3 o'clock and it's go time on game day, there's really just no time for that. And that's where, yeah. you know, your coaches come in, like what we were talking about. Like, it's more beneficial for me to have a hitting coach that can tell me, hey, you know, you're facing this pitcher, he features this, this, and this, rather than, hey, I'm your hitting coach, get your hands a little higher. So that's probably gives you a better understanding of how those hitting coaches with that information can be way more helpful than kind of mechanical stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely, man. That's They come in big, because there's guys, especially think about it, there's pitchers coming up from the minor leagues that you have no idea who it is. You have no data on. Mm Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, it almost seems like too that could be one of those cases of like too much information is a bad thing at some point. Yeah, and that's to each its own, man. Everybody, you know, you have guys like like JD Martinez that goes and writes it in a notebook every at bat, and then mm-hmm. you have guys that that don't even want any information. Like Lorenzo Kane, he was don't even tell me anything. I just want to go see the ball and hit the ball. So yeah. guys are different, man. Guys are definitely different. Yeah, and I guess like. You've already kind of said it a few times, but you just got to find what works for you. No doubt. Settle into that. Yep. That's, that's the name of the game. Awesome. Well, Eric, man, I appreciate you taking the time. This is, uh, this has been super interesting for sure. No doubt. Um, so obviously we're all waiting on beta breath to find out when the season's going to start. Yep. But, uh, if people want to follow you, um, where, where do you recommend that, uh, they do that? Uh, Instagram Hosmer three Oh five. So, okay. Yeah, I'll keep uh, keep everybody updated on this quarantine life and what we're doing, and uh, we'll, there keep, we go. we'll keep you guys updated <laughs> on the on the garden how that fills out. <laughs> and he and he responds to all messages, people. So feel free, yeah. You know, just Come let on. him know. Let him know your thoughts. Just give me a couple days to respond, <laughs> and I'll get there. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. Well, dude, stay safe uh, during the quarantine, and uh, yeah, we're excited. Hopefully, I mean, they're they're gonna play this season, right? It's just a matter of when not if yeah we're hoping we're hoping we're definitely staying ready so when when they say it's go time we'll be ready okay awesome well thanks man i appreciate it and uh we'll talk to you soon all right kenny appreciate you bro you better go ask mommy daddy (laughs) well hey sonia hey babe how you doing good how are you doing uh i noticed you were stretching over there because you don't have a baby in your arms for the first time ever during this segment. Yeah, it's pretty freeing. <laughs> Just let your arms explore the space. <laughs> um, so how did we miss that Hootie and the Blowfish had a new album? 
Oh. Did you know? No, I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't either. 2019. I thought that they broke up. Well, you know, I think it was amicable. <laughs> I think it was more like they took a hiatus and then Darius Rucker went out and just wanted to Did explore <laughs> and just destroyed it. He's so good. And now they're back. That's exciting. Yeah. Let her cry is an all-time favorite. Uh, she sits alone by a lamp post. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, he's pretty good. Now everybody knows you sing your intro song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know what? That's my go-to karaoke song. Mm-hmm. Let her cry. Yep. And you know what? It's not actually the crowd pleaser that you think it would be. I, I'm always pleased when you sing it. Yeah, I know. But you're my number one fan. <laughs> yeah, I am. It doesn't quite get people fired up. The way that other songs could. Mm-hmm. So true. good show with Eric. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, what did you What did you think about it? And let me ask you, as someone who's a diehard baseball fan, <laughs> you must have just been licking your chops about this one. Well, now, like after listening to it, I want our boys to play baseball. Oh, wow. That's all it took, huh? One talk with a professional baseball player, and now the whole trajectory of their sports career has changed. <laughs> Well, we were on the fence about football anyway. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a whole different conversation about that. But uh, yeah, I love baseball growing up. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And I used to I used to watch it all the time. Like growing up, that was what we did every night. Like it, it was always on in the background. It was on like during dinner while we did our homework. It was kind of like the radio. Yeah. Like that's how a lot of people treat baseball. It's something that like, I mean, what? There's 162 games, 160 games. You're asking the wrong girl. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. But uh, yeah, no, it was just always on. It was a huge part. But then when I moved to the East Coast, because I was a Mariners fan growing up, it was just hard. at that time, it just wasn't easy to watch it over here. Yeah. So I just kind of like fell out. But now we got a reason to watch the Padres. Yeah. Friend of the show, <laughs> Eric Hosmer is holding down first base. <laughs> I, uh, I thought this was a really good one because... It was like not intentional in any way that I was trying to like pull lessons out of him. Do you know? Or maybe I was. I don't know. But I, he wasn't trying to give him in that way. But like as I listened to it back, I was like, man, there's like some really good takeaways here that I ho- hope people picked up on. Yeah, right, I'm sure you're going to tell me. Do you what, want me to tell what's you? your first one? Uh, OK, well, let's dive right in. Agreed, though. The first one, and this was kind of the theme for the show. And I wonder if it's really that big of like a theme for him in terms of like his own approach to the game. But like, I, I just felt like routine kept coming up. Yeah. You know, like, like the, the, not the necessity, but kind of like the power of a routine for him mm-hmm. and how, whether it's game day, whether it's his approach to batting, whether it's his approach now to infield practice, um, it just seems like routine was the word that kept coming up. Yeah. How are you implementing routines in your day-to-day life? <laughs> um, probably the biggest routine that I'm now implementing is Cannon's nap schedule. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have him taking real naps. In his crib. You know what? It's only taken like three kids. <laughs> only taken three kids for us to look like real parents. Yeah. Yeah. Getting there. Yeah. Imagine what we're going to be like on the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a new wife, so. Whoa. Your body can take it. Um, Yeah, power of routine. But you know what? Like, it's it's easier said than done. Because I've gotten, I've built some really good routines into my life. But there's a lot that, like, I fall start on, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And especially having kids, like the morning routine, I had that down so good for a while. And then once we had our third, it just kind of like threw everything out the window. I'm getting back yeah. into it, especially once I return to work after paternity leave. But yeah, yeah, it's so important. I feel like it just takes a lot of like the thinking out of it. Oh, for sure. You know, like the more you can put yourself on autopilot, as long as it's like marching in like the right <laughs> direction, the better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people that believes that like willpower like dissipates throughout the day. Ah, maybe I do. I take that back. I immediately retract my own statement. But I think <laughs> that like, you know, the less things that you have to put like conscious effort and energy into the better. Yeah. You know, so if you can build Western that muscle. Where it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree with that. Anything else on routine? Um, what do you think? Am I putting words in his mouth? No, I think routine was a big theme. Yeah. Are you talking about my routine? Do you want to know yeah, let's dig in. What do you got going on? What are you into? <laughs> I I kind of I don't really have routines, which is oh, probably not a good thing. Wow, some self reflection. You know what? I would like to be in my routine doing laundry every day, <laughs> so I don't have piles of laundry. Yeah, you and me both. I'm just doing. I'm not doing it. <sighs> well, let's do it. Do you want me to? Me and all the listeners are going to hold you accountable. We'll okay. check in every week and ask me about it next week. I, I will. Oh. <laughs> Yes, I will. Uh, yeah. Okay. So routines are a big one. And uh, I was glad to hear that. And that's something I'm going to keep working on. But that's something that I think anyone can can take from this mm-hmm. and try to start focusing on. You know what I mean? Like figure out whatever it is. If it's like, look, I need to, I just need to have like a better start to my day. Like yeah. have a couple things that become your routine that like set you up to like get off on the right foot that day. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Um, well, we talked about this earlier because you said I was looking a little chubby. So. I never said you were looking chubby ever. I'm just I'm I just kidding. lost. I said that. I just lost every female listener. <laughs> Holy cow! No, I'm gonna start doing fasted cardio in the morning. Oh, yeah. It's gonna yeah. be my new routine. Do it. <laughs> but see, try. I like it because, like, it, I feel like you start the day off with a win. When yeah. you do that, and it doesn't. I, I don't know, mean, you feel so much better. Yeah, and I don't just mean like fasted cardio, but like that's why I love working out in the morning because, mm-hmm. like, you one you get it out of the way. Like, let's be honest. Like, people have stuff going on. You get it out of the way, but like more importantly, like you you got an early win in. Like the rest of the day, like no matter what happens, like you accomplish something. Yeah, and I feel like it just kind of sets you off on the right foot. Mm-hmm. So fasted cardio. Yeah. It's All right. Be my day starter. Gonna hold you to it. We'll check in next week. That and laundry. (laughs) Next key takeaway. And this one I did try and pull out of him. Skill acquisition. He was like, why are you asking me about skill acquisition? Well, here's why. (laughs) You know, because he, I think it's really unique how well he plays both sides of the ball and he's been doing it at a high level now for almost 10 years. Right. So like, I I was kind of curious, like, is this something that he's like, made an effort to master or is like the game of baseball just so natural that it just comes to him. He doesn't think about it, but Mm -hmm. uh, he said something that I thought was, was really actually pretty profound. And he said, you know, be open to feedback, but, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically like be selective in which advice you take. Right. So Mm -hmm. like be open to hearing how you can improve, but like recognize that there's still a decision that needs to be made as to like, what's actually going to work for you. Yeah. Everybody has advice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I've got lots of it. Yeah, you do. 
<laughs> Lots of opinions. Lots of strong opinions. Uh, but I no, I don't know. I just I, I felt like that was like that really kind of resonated, right? Yeah. There's no shortage of advice out there. Yeah. Would you feel that you are selective in the advice that you take? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't really listen to anyone's advice except for my dad's. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty headstrong. <laughs> <laughs> and yours and my right. mom's <laughs> yeah exactly everyone uh, who's listening to this for three minutes already understands the power dynamic here uh, yeah you're very headstrong would you say that I take advice yeah you're very very good about that oh like you you seek out thank you um, I, not so much advice but like you seek help from people who do things that you think like better than how you do them yeah, I would like to think so. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from, and I, I actually mean this. I'm not like saying this is like just fake humility, but like, I think I actually recognize that like, I have a lot of room to improve in a lot of areas. And like, I'm very interested in understanding like how to improve. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think the worst type of person <laughs> is the person who thinks that they have like no room for improvement. That's the person that drives <laughs> so me. me absolutely insane. <laughs> no, see, you're, you didn't say that. I just know that whatever advice I want to give, I just need to run it by your dad first <laughs> and then have him just like pass it along. It's quite, it's really not that hard of a system. And I think it makes for a very healthy relationship. <laughs> uh, but no, but that's why I do it. Like I, I, like I have areas where I know I'm weak and I want to get better. So if I can find someone who knows what they're doing, yeah, that's an admirable trait that you have. <laughs> yeah, the inquisitive knucklehead. Admirable. Uh, okay, skill acquisition. I thought that was a good one. Be open to feedback, but listen, not all advice is worth having. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a really good quote that I can't seem to yeah, pull from I know. memory. Okay, whatever. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Meanwhile, people are like, I'm never going to check those show notes. Uh, oh, the last one. This is my last takeaway. Before I go on, do you have a takeaway that you want to share that I have one that I haven't hit yet? Because I don't think you I don't think you're going to go um, with this. Next I was one. What did you like? Well, <laughs> I liked the whole episode was really good, but I was surprised that batting is a way bigger deal than like uh, defensive positions. Would you call it? Yeah. Like I, I didn't realize that that was like such a big thing. Yeah, I think it's because like the offensive side of the ball, like that's where the runs are scored. Like the, the metrics, like he said, that, that everyone used to pay attention to was like your batting average, how many runs batted in, RBIs. You know, like everything was very like geared towards like how many runs you score. Home runs, right? Like yeah, chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh man. What? Uh, <laughs> whoa. I just, I got, I got quite a... A response there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that's like what everyone focuses on, right? Like everyone, think, well, yeah, this I is a terrible so. example, but like, you know, everyone wanted to be Ken Griffey in the home run derby as a kid. You mm. know what I mean? Very yes. few people were like, oh, I want to be like Joey Cora because he has like uh, great efficiency in the field. You know what I mean? Like just no one, neither. Did any of those names register? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how are we together? Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. What what else did you find interesting? Um, because this was a good one. Yeah, this was a good one. 
<laughs> when you do this to me. <laughs> it's like, did you not know you were coming in here? <laughs> um, I, the whole like having, what is it? 162 games yeah. in the five, what's it? Five months. Yeah. I mean, something like that. That's yeah. Wild. That's it's wild. It's like constantly traveling. Well, yeah, it's not, it's not even just that it's like constant travel, but it's like, if you, if you were to look at like some of the schedules for these teams, like they just send them all over the country in this like haphazard fashion. Yeah. And it's crazy that they, like he was saying that he'd rather be on a bus all night than take a oh, flight. Yeah. Sleeping on a bus and then playing in a game the next day. That's crazy. Oh, if I don't have like the right pillow at night, yeah, my whole next wild. day is shot. Yeah. Let alone if I'm sleeping on a bus. All right. We won't ask you more questions on the fly. <laughs> so the last one that I had, uh, cause I was interested, right? Like, you know, a lot of guys make it to the pros, but like very few like stay there for a long time. Right. And I want yeah. to know, like in his opinion, like, you know, like what do you think it is that separates the great ones from, you know, just like every other professional athlete. And he's like, I'm just better than everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. <laughs> we just end the show there. He said basically like the ability to make adjustments which yeah. I thought was really interesting. And it makes sense now, like thinking back over the broader conversation, right? But it, uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, man, like that's kind of true for everything. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the target is constantly moving, right? The mm -hmm. obstacles are changing, like always operating within a different environment. So it's like, yeah, like the people who can adjust, like thrive, mm -hmm. right? The people who can't are the ones that kind of like get left behind. He's constantly bettering himself and working on his game. How about the fact that he, I guess it was in his eighth or ninth year, like got that infield coach. Yeah. <laughs> like for the first time in yeah, all the training that he's that's, had. That's he, what I meant. Like, it's so crazy that there's not, not as big of an emphasis on that. Oh, right. Yeah, I know. That is crazy. I'm sure he's, you know, he's been, he's been doing drills his whole life, but like, it sounds like someone was really teaching him like the art of, infielding and like how to approach it, which is cool. Yeah. You know? So yeah, the ability to make adjustments, I think the willingness to make adjustments, right. Mm -hmm. You know, cause like, I think there's certain people that like can wing it, so <laughs> to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. I might find myself in that camp, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think it's like, it's, it's a willingness thing. It's kind of goes back to the conversation we had with Kareem. Right. Like he eventually like over time being in all these crazy situations and all these crazy countries eventually became comfortable with like the uncertainty of it. Yeah. And they, like now, like that just feels normal to him, which I think is cool. That is really cool. So I really enjoyed this one. This is a good one. Yeah. This is a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll try and play professional baseball. <laughs> Sounds a lot more fun than what I'm doing. It does. Uh, it I don't mean that. I love my job. Everybody. If my if my company's listening, but uh, yeah, so that was good. All right, so let's see. Next week we've got another really good show. Next week we have Pratik Patel from the New York Giants. He's the strength and assistant, strength and conditioning coach, head nutritionist. Uh, that's another good one. So, uh, you know, Hey, if you just found us this week, thanks for listening. Hopefully we didn't turn you off and lose you in the last 10 minutes, <laughs> but, uh, we've got a lot of really great ones coming up and, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Yep, let us know. Really appreciate the people who are leaving reviews. I say at the beginning of every show, 
And I think most people say that on their podcasts, but here at the professional athlete, we actually really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Those other guys, they don't appreciate it. <laughs> they don't appreciate it. They don't <laughs> Not even, like we do. They don't even value your time. <laughs> don't listen to those other guys. All right. I think that's a good place to end. We've now insulted the rest of the podcasting community. <laughs> All right. Well, Sonia, do you, uh, do you want to sign off? Oh, and shout out to Casey. Hey, Eric's girlfriend for setting this up. That's right. Thank you, Casey. We appreciate it. We sure do. We sure do. Yeah. Check Casey out on Fox nation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Casey McDonald. You can see her there. She's crushing it as well. Power couple folks. <laughs> we'll get them both on the show sometime, but all right. Time to go to bed. <laughs> good night. All right. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>